Go take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 1. In a new book study, I, I struggled back and forth with where I wanted to go after uh, we finished up our last book study, and, and then with guest speakers and, and different things going on. It finally opened itself up in uh, the 1st of December, and I've always wanted to do a gospel um, uh, from a pulpit ministry. I've done it in Sunday school classes, in other settings, but never preached through uh, one of the gospels. And so, Lord impressed upon my heart uh, this one, and uh, I'm liking the way things are unfolding, especially this time of year, and Lord willing, next week we'll be looking at uh, the birth of Christ, and so... Anyway, pray for this as we go through this book study. Uh, We may or may not stay in it. We may move on. Uh, Again, I I, I trust the Lord will impress and lead as we need to uh, in in that area. Um, Is it hot to y'all in here? It's a little warm, isn't it? Maybe you get one of you guys to cool it down a little bit. Um, But anyways, um, looking at the gospel according to Luke, we talked last week uh, about... Zacharias, and um, we, we learned that this guy, Zacharias, he and his wife, Elizabeth, uh, he was doing his, his duty, his term had come up, his responsibility, and the lot fell to him, and he was to, to go in uh, to the temple, and uh, in his visit to the temple, he comes face to face with an angel, Gabriel, and you'll recall it was announced to him that his wife, even though they were very old in age, would have a child. And uh, that child uh, would be John the Baptist, and that he would lead many to turn from their sins, and he would lead them to the Lord. And so Zacharias, in unbelief, responded. Because how is this going to happen? Uh, you know, I, we're, we're a little up there in age and beyond childbearing years, and it's just not possible. And if you recall, because of that doubt, he was going to be unable to speak until it came to pass that this child was born. And uh, I, I will also propose to you that it's possible that not only could he not speak, but that he could not hear. And we'll see that potential in today's text. So anyways, uh, that, that came about, and um, uh, so we, we learned last week this idea of this... Uh, by the way, I want to make note of this. One of the things that was mentioned last week in our study, and I think it was significant, was that this child that was going to be in the womb of Elizabeth would be uh, full of the Holy Spirit from even that point uh, while in the womb. And um, I think that that is a, a significant thing. Let's, uh, let's continue in our study, and today we're going to pick up in Luke 1, and we'll pick up on the story. And let's look in verse 26 to begin our reading. By the way, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. And if you would, please grab that and follow along. Let's take a look. Verse 26 of chapter 1. Now in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. 
the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, I pray for clarity of thought. I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, that you would allow me to preach and teach in your power and just be a conduit of your grace. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen. So, interesting thing happening here. When Luke shares uh, his story of uh, this account, notice how he begins from the beginning. Think about it. For almost 400 years, no miracles. No hearing from God. And now all of a sudden, upon the scene... Gabriel appears to Zacharias and says, there's going to be a miracle, a birthing miracle. Your wife, who's barren, is going to conceive and have a child. That was a miracle. She may be 70, 80 years old at that time. And now Luke includes in his account another birthing miracle. Even more of a miracle. A virgin will conceive. When we think about these two accounts and the miraculous background of, of how this comes, has, how it comes about, and we see how it concluded there in that portion where we stopped, nothing is impossible with God. And here we have two miracle accounts recorded for us. And let's look, because Luke does a job of sort of laying it out in a comparative way. You find that uh, with Zacharias, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Here in this account, with Mary, the angel Gabriel appeared to her. It's announced, it's proclaimed. But notice how Zacharias responded. He responded with unbelief. But Mary, with belief. Again, you think about what's taking place here after 400 years of silence. God is on the scene and is getting ready to do something amazing. Let's look back at the verses that we've just uh, kind of read through, and and, and let's see if we can draw out a little more 
uh, in-depth understanding of what's going on here. It's been about six months since Gabriel appeared uh, and since Elizabeth is with child. And now here he he is uh, in the presence of, of this young lady, Mary. Mary had never known a man. She was uh, espoused at this time to Joseph. And by the way, most of you understand this, but uh, for those of you who may not, in the culture of the day, it was not unusual for families to arrange, if you will, uh, a marriage. And so uh, it, it was not uncommon for young children to be entrusted to another child uh, in hopes of one day marrying. And eventually through time, they would then be a spouse to one another. And so basically, from a legal standpoint, they would be viewed as husband-wife without consummating the marriage. That would come later. Uh, And so usually after about a year of betrothal period, they would then join together to consummate the marriage. So we find Mary at a point where she's in that espousing stage, never known a man. And that's why, you know, it's we see this... And by the way, let me just say this. That could have been ugly. Thank you, Lord. I will now be preaching the rest of the sermon where I needed to be anyway. (laughs) All right. Thank you, uh, Lynn Sanders. I know that was a practical joke. No, just, yeah. All right. Let's see if we can raise this up a little bit. Wow. Yeah, you know, that would have been really pretty. I'm glad we don't have our TV ministry going yet. Thank you. Is that going to hold? Don't lean on it. Thank you. All righty. Let's try that again. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you. Nobody had a camera going right then. Okay, excellent. All right. We could have used some extra money for the building project. I didn't know if we could have submitted that to Funniest Home Videos. So where was I? Okay. So um, back to the subject at hand. Here is, here is Mary who, um, you know, no doubt, um, never, never knowing a man. And here's, here's an angel telling her she's going to conceive a child. How's this going to happen? Well, the text tells us. Notice verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Uh, This is what I was going to say. A lot of professors will try to seize this and tell you that there was no such thing as the virgin birth. Why is it important for them to explain away the virgin birth? It's obvious. I mean, this is a miracle. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. And so a lot of times, uh, some of these scholars, a little too smart for their own good, they will try and tell you that, no, 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 the word should be interpreted young lady. And when you look at Isaiah's prophecy, that it's in reference to a young lady. And, and, and uh, that this, this term is never meant to be implied as a virgin. But all you got to do is read the context and, and see how Mary responds and know, again, that she is a woman of great reputation. This is a godly woman. And, and we kind of hinted on this last week 
that when you look at Elizabeth and you look at Zacharias, I think it's reflected in their life that they were godly people. They were God-fearing people. Um, I think there's something to be said here when you look at uh, this, this family, because we find out through the reading that Elizabeth is her cousin. And uh, I, I think that uh, some of the parents that were raising these uh, children, if you will, this extended family, were, were probably godly, uh, no doubt were godly people. And so professors will want to seize this and try and teach you and tell you, no, 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 no. we're not to take it that way, that's, that's a mistranslation. No. Because, again, the whole point of this fulfillment, this prophecy, is that it is uh, a unique, unmatched act of God. And so we find the, the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary. He says, notice this, verse 28, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, a little side note here for my Catholic friends. Nowhere in this text are we to take Mary as being full of grace, the dispenser of. She's the receiver of. Notice the text closely. She is the recipient of the favor, not the dispenser of. And too often times in our Catholic churches, she is set on a pedestal where she's never meant to be set. And we'll continue on reading. You'll find more about this. Notice this word, highly favored. The word highly favored is only used twice. That phrase is used twice in in the entire New Testament. You know when the other time it's used? Turn with me over to Ephesians. And again, this is to help bring some clarification to those who want to put Mary in a different area. You know, a lot of people worship Mary. And that is never the intent. Mary is a fallen being just like you and I, one who is in need of a Savior just like you and I. It just happens that she was chosen as a vessel to carry the Messiah. But notice in Ephesians 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Mary was accepted. She was the recipient of that grace. Guess what this Ephesians passage tells us? As believers, you and I are also highly favored. Same words used there. Translated differently, but it's the same word. It's the same Greek word. So guess what? If Mary were, and some people would try and point at you in that direction, but that's also faulty. Look, guys, the point is this. You and I are great recipients of God's grace. Mary was a recipient of God's grace. You're not a grace dispenser in that sense. Don't put yourself on that platform, as many has put, have put Mary on that platform. I hope that, that makes sense to you. When it talks about rejoicing as her being highly favored, um, uh, as one uh, who was highly favored from the Lord, the only other time it's used is also when it's in reference to us as believers. All right. It says, blessed are you among women. 
Another side note here, bringing some clarification. Notice that she is blessed not over women. Again, don't put her in a position that God never intended her to be. She is the blessed amongst women. Mary was a sinner just like us. There's nothing special in the sense that would require worship. Does that make sense? And if there is any questions on it, I'd be glad to talk to you about that afterwards. Because it's important that we understand Mary for who she is. Yes, she was a godly woman. Yes, she was a God-fearing woman. But she is in need of a Savior. All right. So, verse 29, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She ponders this in her, in her heart. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, her response was that much like Zacharias. You'll find the same response throughout the New Testament, throughout times, even in the Old Testament. When an angel appears, there's a sense of fear, as you can imagine. And the angel tells her, do not fear, do not fear, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. That phrase, son of the highest, it's a Gentile phrase. And remember, Luke was writing to the Gentiles. This is one thing that separates him from the other gospel writers. His predominant audience would have been the Gentile. And this is a phrase that's often used um, in in describing... uh, uh, Notice what he says here. He will be the great and will be called the son of the highest. Uh, MacArthur has a great note here. He reminds us that not only had Gabriel mentioned here uh, this phrase, he also mentions when he spoke to Zacharias, he referred to John the Baptist as being the prophet of the highest. But here, he's referred to as the Son uh, of the Highest. The Most High God. Notice this phrase. It's, 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 uh, MacArthur says it's employed in the Septuagint to translate the Hebrew, the Most High God, since a son bears his father's qualities, calling a person someone else's son was a way of signifying equality. Here, the angel was telling Mary that her son would be equal to the Most High God. Again, a reference to the deity of Christ, that it's God incarnate. Don't let anyone knock on your door and tell you that God, uh, that, that Jesus is not God, that He was somehow an angel. That is another gospel. Paul said, if anyone brings to you another gospel, let them be accursed. The point is that uh, this is truly going to be God in the flesh. This is the unique Son of God. And and so notice uh, the text goes on. It says, And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of His kingdom there will be no end. Mary was of the lineage of David. There's a great chart. If you get a chance, stop in the library. There's this chart on the wall. And when I became a youth pastor, I, I, I remember the first time I went in my office and closed the door to do some study. And I noticed on the back, there was this poster, the same poster that's up in our library. If you've never had a chance to go in and look at that, I encourage you to go in and look at it. 
Because on that poster, you will have from Adam and Eve a family tree. Someone took the time and went from Genesis to Revelation all the way through the Bible, and they actually have Adam and Eve, their children, their children, their children, their children, and you see the family tree unfold, and it's got the Scripture reference for you to look it up, and it goes all the way through to Joseph and Mary. I don't know about you, but that is, a, that is an amazing piece of work. That is a documentation that, by the way, is historically correct. If I ask you who your father was, most of you could tell me. If I ask you who your grandfather was, most of you could tell me. And that's all that unfolds is that family tree. And so you see that traced through. And through that you will find that Mary is in the lineage of David, the house of David. Notice um, what happens. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? He's announced to her, you're going to conceive, even though she's a virgin. I do not know a man. Again, no misunderstanding here. She's a virgin. I, I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. This was all God's work. God was going to do this. Now indeed, verse 36, Elizabeth, your your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Notice verse 38, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary didn't question. At that point, she knows. She knows that what's being said, if this is going to take place, this is, this is a miracle. This is of God. And she believed. Unlike Zacharias, who doubted, she believes. And she basically offers, her, offers herself and says, Hey, I'm your servant. I, I'm the Lord's servant. Use me. Let it be. Whatever God, whatever God wants in my life, whatever God's will is for my life, I'm good with that. How about you? Whatever God's will is for your life. Though it may be difficult. Can you imagine how difficult it must have been? This girl's probably 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe 16 at the most. She's not, though she's legally bound to Joseph, it's not a consummated marriage. What's this going to look like? This obvious godly family is going to be reproached in the community. I mean, you talk about a stigma. You talk about a uh, uh, taking on some shame. She didn't care what it might look like to others. She wasn't so much concerned with what they thought, but what God thought. And I think too often times for you and me, we're more concerned with what others may think when we should be concerned with God, your will be done. 
Your will be done. No matter what the cost. How often are you and me ashamed to stand for truth? How often are you and, you and I too ashamed to do what we know is right? And it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat and say it's, it's always easy to do the right thing. You know, I'll give you a true story. Me and Mark uh, Stevens the other day picked up a, a scoreboard for the gym. Lord willing, we'll try and get that, that put up soon. We had to go and drive and pick it up, and we, it wouldn't fit in the trailer. They gave me the wrong measurements. It wouldn't fit in the trailer. We had to rent a U-Haul, drive halfway around the country to get it back here. It's, I told Mark, hey, I'll have you back probably by lunchtime, you know, supper time, more like it. And uh, because one thing after another, but we finally ended up dropping the U-Haul off at a place, and I won't name the place, but anyway, we, we got ready to drop it off and um, look around, make sure the lady's not here today. Okay, she's not. All right. <laughs> well, that could have been awkward. You thought that was funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, the, you know, and ladies being nice, and we'd gone over two miles. Two miles. Our driving limit. You know, they give you a certain amount of mileage. We went over two miles. It was going to cost us. And I said, well, all right, that's fine. How much is it going to cost? She said, well, it'll be 80 cent. I said, well, that's fine. You know, I, I got, I got um, you know. Well, she said, well, let me see what I can do. And so she starts, you know, trying to manipulate the system to, to change whatever. And, and then she kind of made some comment to me that basically what she was doing was not really ethical. And I said, uh, you're telling the wrong person that. <laughs> and... Um, and she's, she was like, oh, yes, I, I, I see that. She looked then at my information and saw that I was a pastor. And she's, oh, so where do you pastor at? You know, and it kind of, the moment changed real quick, let me just tell you. You know, that, that talk about, I'm going to go home and throw on a tidy, you know, and I'm going to do this and that, all of a sudden cleaned up real quick, you know. Um, for some of you who don't know what that means, don't worry about it. <laughs> a couple of you were like, oh, she said that to a pastor. Um, but anyway, the point was, in that moment, it would have been real easy, it's small, minute situation, to endorse what she was doing. Encourage what she was doing. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Just 80 cents. Now, I offered up the dollar. Now, she did, what she did was on her end, and I told her, I said, lady, I will give you a dollar if that will make your conscience feel better. She said, oh, my conscience is fine. You know, so, all right, well, back off, you know. This is not my business. I'm, I didn't say I'm thinking that. But, look, how easy would it be for Mary to say, you know, I don't, I don't want this. This is hard. I, I, I don't want to go this road. And how many of us too oftentimes respond to God that way? I don't want to do what's hard. I don't want to stand for what's right. I don't want to. There's no right way to ever do what's wrong. So, notice what happens. She's told, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her old age. Now what must this have done for Mary? My, my relative, my cousin, I know, yeah, wow. Old, my old cuz, you know, she, and I mean old cuz, she's with a, with a baby? And, and so she, she says that, uh, the angel says to her that she is six months. She was barren. 
And just as you've been told, Mary, you who've known no man, you, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. How many of us really honestly believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Where is our faith? Look, if God's will is going to be done, it's going to be done. Now, sometimes things aren't part of God's will, and we have to be okay with that. But when something is part of God's program, that's why He says in His Word that if you ask anything according to my will, you have it. Because God's plan is not going to be thwarted. And there are sometimes there are promises in Scripture that you and I pass right over that apply to you and me. And we doubt it, or we just don't believe it. And that should not be the case. We should stand firm on those promises. We should believe God, take Him at His word, even if it seems impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. So Mary says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Notice verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. Now that's not another relative. That means she went fast. She got up and went. And notice that she went to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, a couple of things. Some have said Mary went to hide the pregnancy. Not at this point, because she has just got the information that she will conceive the child, that the Holy Spirit's going to move upon her. Now, she obviously, this miraculous conception has taken place. Remember, she wasted no time from when Gabriel talked to her, she fled, or didn't flee, she got and went with haste to Judah, to Judea. Why? Because of what the angel told her. The angel said, your cousin Elizabeth has also a miracle child. She was barren, now she's with child. 400 years, silence, no miracles. Two miracles within the same family. She is going, not because she doubted, Because if she doubted, she, trust me, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, whatever how old she is, is not going to take a 75-mile journey by herself, two, three days travel, if she doesn't really believe what God has told her. Well, she believes God. She takes Him at His word through His messenger, the angel, and she goes to see Elizabeth. Isn't it interesting? 
that when Elizabeth, it says, the text says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she knew Mary was with child. Mary's not showing. She didn't just swell up in three days. It's not like me and you after Thanksgiving dinner. She's not, you know, ugh, you know. We're going to do this top belt bug. <laughs> That's some good turkey. No, she's not showing. She goes in, but yet, because again, God's at work in this. This is something miraculous. And the fact that Elizabeth, being filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And notice the humility. Verse 43, But why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. What a lesson in humility. Think about this. Look, I I was always raised. Respect your elders. You always, and and listen, this is an area in our culture that has been lost. You look at the, uh, the Asian countries, and there's still a great reverence for the elderly. Uh, for the most part, there is a great respect for, for the elders. Not so much in our culture. And it's a shame. It's a biblical principle. Even I am, am instructed as, as a pastor that when I'm addressing an older member of the congregation, that I'm to do so as if they were my father. Uh, if I've ever talked to some of you older people in a wrong tone, I've talked to my dad that way too. <laughs> and your yeah, and your father in law, that's right. <laughs> This is true. I have been called out. But here's the thing. Always, you know, we, we should show that reverence. Here is, in this story, a 12-year-old girl, a 15-year-old, ever how, you know, you do your own homework and come to the age you believe is how old she is. Point is, she's a, she's a kid getting ready to enter into womanhood. And, of course, womanhood would have come a lot earlier in those days. But still... Here's a 70, 60, 70, 80-year-old woman. Again, do your own homework. You can determine what age you think she was. Point is, it's her elder. And yet you see great humility not despising her youth. Because she recognized that God's at work here. Notice, she says to her, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. You remember back when we were reading about Zacharias? Remember when we heard about John? Said he was full of the Holy Spirit from the womb. This is an act of worship. I mean, think about it. Here's John, who, by the way, prepared the way for the Lord, right? This is his, he, he was full of the Holy Ghost from the beginning. You talk about a first prophecy? Here's a prophecy. I mean, this is, he recognizes the Lord, even in the womb, because he's full of the Holy Spirit, even in the womb. And, and he makes uh, this leap. Leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, I've heard some commentaries, and I've heard some pastors kind of use this as a joke point here. <laughs> and so I'm going to capitalize on it because it's kind of funny. 
Notice the text, and I I will clear it up, but notice the text. It does say, uh, here's Elizabeth, right? The baby leaps in her womb. Here's Mary standing there with child. Blessed is she who believed. Can you just imagine? What did her husband do? Her husband didn't believe, right? Mary did believe. You wonder if maybe Elizabeth goes, looks at her husband. Blessed is her who believed. You know, unlike her husband who didn't believe. Now, I know she probably didn't do that, but it was kind of funny if you think about it. You know, she gives that little... Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. The Magnificat. Here's that recorded... uh, Uh, Praise, if you will. Listen to what comes from Mary's lips. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. If Mary was so full of grace and she was so on the pedestal that she deserved to be worshipped, why does she say, my Savior? She needed a Savior. You don't need a Savior unless you have sin. Guys, Mary was a sinner just like us. She too was a sinner. She says, my Savior. My spirit was rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. There again, she knows where to give the credit. It's nothing of her. She just happens to be the recipient of the grace. Guys, it's nothing of us. We just happen to be conduits of His grace, recipients of His grace. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is on those who fear Him. From generation to generation. Do you fear God? You can highlight that one as a promise. His mercy is on those who fear Him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now, if, she, if Elizabeth was six months with child, Mary stays three months, it's highly likely she, she probably did not stay long enough for the birth. Um, now, Elizabeth, full time came for her to be delivered. And so again, I think it would lend itself that Mary's gone, now it's time for her to deliver the baby. And she brought forth a son... When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Think about it. These same people who used to, you know, think, well, there must be sin in their house because she doesn't have any children. I've got 12, you know. That was one of the things in that day, in that culture, that if a woman was barren, that it was somehow because God didn't have favor upon her. And we talked about that last week, and, and, and that, uh, those were lies that were put forth, and, and there's lies that are put forth even in our culture today. You think about the disciples walking with Jesus, and they ask the question, Who sinned, this man or his parents? 
And, and Jesus said, neither. This is, this is this way so that God can be glorified. So be careful we don't sit in a judgment seat when it comes to certain things in life that we have no place sitting in that seat. So, notice these people, they have witnessed, they know God's obviously showing great mercy. I mean, this is uh, a miracle. There's no denying this is a miracle. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, which was customary. That's when uh, this would typically take place. And this is when they usually named the child. This is when the name is, is, is put forth. And so notice what happens. So they come on the eighth day to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. I mean, you think about it, why not? This is, you know, their only child. You would think they're going to name him after the father. But notice verse 60. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. Now, this is why I think maybe perhaps not only could Zacharias not speak, but he probably also couldn't hear. Why else would they need to write it out? Unless they were just really dumb. You know, it's kind of like us talking to foreign people. I don't speak Spanish. It's like, okay, they're not deaf, they just don't know English. Y'all know you're guilty, because we always raise our voice when we're talking in another country. Ah, can you tell me where the bathroom is? It's like, why are you yelling? But anyway, so they write on a tablet. What do you want to, you know, they write it out. Why would they write it out? He can't speak. So I think maybe he couldn't hear. No big deal, but just find stuff like that sometimes kind of interesting. So, notice, he asked for a writing pad, and he writes out, His name shall be called John. Again, confirming what the angel had told him. Okay, I need to find a closing point here. I want to finish. Well, let's just move. All right, here we go. He says, uh, verse 61, But they said to her, There is no one among you with relatives called by this name. Skip on down. Verse uh, 63, And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. And again, they, they didn't confer in regards to this. He couldn't speak. She said, John, now he's saying John. They marveled. Immediately his, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. You know, it's been said that one of the final acts that the person would do in that temple responsibility would be to offer a praise, to offer a prayer in closing upon their ceremony of the incense lighting, etc., He's finally fulfilling that responsibility. He spoke with praise. Then fear came upon all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, What kind of child would this be? Can you imagine the buzz? What was going on? What was this? And it was amazing. I was there, and, and, and he couldn't speak. He hadn't been able to speak for nine months. And she writes this. She says his name's supposed to be John. And this guy, I mean, and the word spreading. 
wonder what kind of child this is going to be. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Now, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. And He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His way, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Notice how Zacharias closed in prophesying about his child, John, has been promised by God. A fulfillment of Scripture. I want to leave you with these thoughts. This comes from John Kirsten's commentary on this passage. And in reflecting upon those verses I just read, listen to this. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. People were prepared for the first coming of Jesus through the ministry of John. That was John's, that was John's purpose, to prepare people for the Messiah. So too, I suggest that people will be prepared for the Lord's second coming, through the ministry of the church. Thus, we have the same three mandates given to John. We were given mandates. Notice the the mandates that were spelled out there in, in regards to John the Baptist. And there's an application, if you will, spiritual application, I think, that we can apply here today through what we've heard. Listen to this. Our first mandate is to give information. Notice what it said in verse 77, 78. To give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. And day spring was a term used in, in description of, of, of Messiah. Our first mandate is to give information. What are we to be about this week? Church? We get to tell people the good news of the gospel. That except for their rejection of the free gift of salvation, every sin they've ever done, will do, or are presently doing is forgiven because of the tender mercy of God poured out upon them through the cross of Calvary. Verse 79 said, To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Our second mandate is to provide illumination. How are we to illuminate people's thinking? 
Because the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We get to be, uh, to, to, to be those who share with people, not our philosophies, not our ideas, not our agendas, but the light of the word. Verse 79, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Our third mandate is to share direction. The question I am asked most frequently is, how can I receive God's guidance? The answer is to walk the way of peace. God's given us that instruction. We have his word to guide us. Verse 80, and the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. We leave a camel skin wearing, grasshopper eating John in the desert. Poised to give information, illumination, and direction regarding his Messiah and our Lord. Church, we too have a responsibility to do the same. The Lord will return one day, and we have a mandate. We have a responsibility. Believe God at his word. Don't doubt. And let's put into action without haste and let's proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ till He comes. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time. Thank You for this church. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, we pray, pray especially for tonight, for the cantata. We pray for the children that will be taking place in it, Lord, as well. We pray for the choir. Lord, but I pray most importantly that the message, the truth of the Incarnation, God enrobed in flesh, the birth of Christ, would be made much of. But Lord, that we would understand that message is not just about a little baby in the manger, but it's about a Savior who's come to redeem mankind, to deliver us from our sin. And so I pray that this evening... Much would be made of Christ, that He be lifted up. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, that they may come to know Him as their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who's never bowed the heart to Christ, never recognized Him for who He is, never realized that He died upon a cross, He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and went to Calvary to take away the sins of the world, and that whosoever shall call upon Him, shall be saved. He was placed in a tomb, dead, buried. Three days later, rose from the dead, victorious over death, and offers eternal life to whosoever will, let him come. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's never come to the foot of Calvary, I pray that today they would bow their heart and say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, for I am a sinner. That they would look unto the only one who can give them salvation. There's no other name given amongst men by which to be saved except through the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you draw them to you. And Lord, for us as believers, maybe there's things in our life that need to be surrendered. Maybe there's areas where we've never truly dealt with. There's certain sins that are tripping us up. Lord, help us lay those down to truly repent and turn from those wicked ways. May we look for the will of God and be obedient to it. No matter what the cost, no matter what the shame we may think it would bring. Thank you for your truth. 
Thank you for our Lord and Savior. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.